0: Good to worship with you this morning. And I just want to say this right up front. I, I really, for those of you in the room, um, and online, you may not experience this, um, gosh, you guys must really love Jesus. And the reason I want to say that is um, being able to just listen to you in the room, worship this morning. Wow. Um, very, very special. Um, I hope that you online um, could experience the same way, but there's something about gathering together, and we know that in the days ahead, with confidence, um, we're going to gather together, and we're going to gather together again stronger. Um, And as we continue to move through these days, um, our faith in Jesus to overcome all things and to trust in Him is what will make you, as a child of God, a stronger individual. Listening to you sing this morning, Worshiping alongside of you this morning, hearing your voices um, sing out to Jesus, gosh, it was powerful. Um, maybe it's just the fact we don't have carpet yet, right? But y'all sounded good, you know? No, it was, it was neat to hear it come from your hearts, and um, that truly blessed me to be able to hear that. Um, today's a neat day. Um, of course, we've had some changes um, in our immediate surroundings, so the uh, the mass requirements have come down. We're very grateful for that. Um, naturally, as a church family, this whole time, um, we've believed in you and the Spirit of God guiding you, so I know that you've been responsible. We as a church have um, participated um, very humbly um, and respectfully in our culture as far as um, trying to follow those things. But nonetheless, recently you heard that news. So again, just do as you um, feel comfortable. You're a family here. We're a family. Um, we are not going to be divided over stupid stuff. Um, we are going to stay on mission with Jesus, and we are going to follow him. So we're not going to get lost in the fray. Um And I realize that everybody has a lot of opinions about that. But as pastor and as leader, I just determined that we would walk through with the Lord, with Jesus, with faith. And, you know, the other stuff, it'll take care of itself. Um, So um, we live in a kingdom. We live as citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. And today we're going to talk about the leader of that kingdom. um, As we go to the last part of this series, All In. And I saved this one for the last one. John chapter 6, John chapter 6. In every gospel, there is a moment where the disciples face a storm. In every gospel, there is this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you have a lineup in the gospels of where Jesus does something and all four of them talk about it, that's a big deal. You kind of got to take a note of that. It doesn't mean that if it was just recorded in Mark or in Matthew or in John or in Luke that it didn't happen. But when it happened in all four, you know that's a big deal, and so you have to pay attention to that. And this is John chapter 6, the last one that I've saved to kind of finish this series as we look at the King. Of our kingdom as we look at Jesus and who He really is. Um, as you get your Bibles and you turn to John chapter 6, today's a fun day by the way for you as parents so immediately after church um, we've got our own truck or treat so it's continuing to provide life and a, and a bit of normalcy for you as families and for your children because we've stood for that in the midst of this whole thing and we've continued to try to encourage you and minister to your family for those of you um, who have your kids immediately after church Um, Round them up. We've got something for you as parents and for them. We want to get them good and sugared up for you for the rest of the day. (laughs) Because for some of you it may be a a long day and evening and then, boy, let's pray for their teachers for school tomorrow, right? (laughs) But it's neat to be able to be a family together as a church and to be able to do things to encourage one another. John chapter 6. The last picture Of this storm moment. The last picture of being all in, in the boat with Jesus moment. Um, And John, he doesn't give a whole lot of details like the rest. It's just kind of like, here it is, in the midst of what was going on. But yet it's there. And it's there for a reason. So I want us to look at that together. John chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 14 because there's a little bit of buildup to the storm, to the boat moment, to the Jesus moment where he's with them in the midst of it all. Um, And the build-up happens after a miracle. Now, if you want to know the fullness of the miracle, you could go back to the beginning of John chapter 6 and you could look at the fullness of the miracle. But basically, it's where Jesus does that thing and he feeds a lot of people out of nothing. So he does that. And then the people, because Jesus does something really great for them, the crowd goes... Wow, man, if he did that, what else can he do for us? If he provided this for us in this moment, man, who is he and what other good things can I get out of this man? And that's how they're approaching Jesus. How do we know that? Well, the first verse that we read is John chapter 14. And this is what it says. John chapter 6, verse 14. Um, Therefore, when the people saw the sign... So when they saw what Jesus had done, when they saw the sign which he, Jesus, had performed, they said, truly, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, what did Jesus do? He withdrew again. To the mountain by himself alone. So here's this miracle. The crowd gets into a frenzy, right? Like we'll do today when we beat Tampa Bay, right? That happens. Um, The crowd gets into a frenzy when something good happens. They're in a frenzy and they're like, this guy can feed us. He must be that special prophet coming to the world. Let's make him our king. That's the context that we're dealing with. So what does Jesus do? He, He leaves them. He goes and he withdraws to an isolated place. The other scriptures let us know what he did when he isolated. It wasn't that he's just running from the crowd. What did he do? He went to pray. So we know what he was doing. He was going to talk with his heavenly father and not make any decision based on popular opinion. That's what he's doing. So he's on the mountain alone. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, remember, they're fishermen, so they know what they're doing. They get into a boat, and they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. And it had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So they're in the boat without Jesus, right? They've taken off on their trip without him. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about three or four miles, these guys were in shape, by the way. I mean, you know, these guys were doing CrossFit before CrossFit was cool. Three or four miles rowing in a strong wind out to sea. I mean, the disciples, the first Navy SEALs, right? They're out there, and they're making it happen. But there is a point where, you know, even our flesh is limited. They saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And what happened? And they were frightened, He said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So they were, look at this, I love the way the scripture phrases this. Um, They were willing. (laughs) They were willing to receive him into the boat. It's kind of like, the Bible kind of says it's like a choice. Are you willing to receive Jesus into the boat or not? Well, they were willing. So they were willing to receive Jesus into the boat. And immediately, immediately, the boat was at the land To which they were going. The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea. They saw that there was no other small boat there except one. And that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat. But that his disciples had gone away alone. Now this story is the fourth installment, if you will, of this moment where Jesus comes to his disciples when they're struggling in the boat. And there's this, there's this reminder for us today of who's the king over everything. There's a reminder today that as we've walked through this series all in, and not just through the series and through the scripture, but we've walked through some stuff personally. We've walked through some challenges, some storms, um, some very practical issues that we have come up against um, as a church, some of you individually, um, some things that perhaps were seen, and yes, there's always the unseen that we walk through as people. And as we've walked through all of that together, it's a great reminder that all of the lessons that we've learned, they culminate in this final installment of John chapter 6 about who's in charge. And here's the thing today. When you know who's in charge, you can have great confidence in your life and what you're walking through and what's ahead when you know who's in charge. Here's the life lesson today. I want you to be able to write this down absolute confidence for living. It comes when Jesus is king over your life. Absolute confidence for living. Absolute, absolute confidence for the choices that you have to make, for the decisions that you must choose, for the moments you have to walk through. Confidence to do those things, it comes. Absolute confidence when Jesus is the king over your life. When Jesus is king over your life, you can have confidence. And confidence is the opposite of fear. Confidence is what feeds your faith. Confidence is what allows you to overcome challenges, to persevere in difficulties. Confidence is what gets you to the other side of the storm, the other side of the sea. But your confidence has to be placed in the right person. Now so many times when we think about confidence, confidence is something that um, maybe if we're a good Christian, maybe we've thought or learned that confidence is a bad thing. Confidence is not a bad thing. Pride is a bad thing. But confidence is not. Pride is this moment where you think that you are the solution and you can solve it by your intellect, by your strength, by your willpower, by your finances, and you cut God out of the equation. Or pride is where you go, God, I'm going to tip the hat to you and I'm going to give you a little bit of credit, but I'm going to take all the glory, right? You're going to do it all yourself and you're going to feign loyalty to Jesus, but really you know inside you're really making it all about you. That's pride. Confidence is different. The Bible's very clear on confidence. Confidence is where you trust in the authority of the one greater than yourself to make it happen. Confidence actually is even mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35. It says to you as believers, followers of Christ, do not throw away your confidence. Do not Cast away your confidence, for your confidence will bring you a great reward. So many times, the challenges that we face in life that hold us back as Christians, but also as regular people, is that we lose confidence in what we're trying to accomplish. We lose confidence in our ability whether it be a mental block, a physical block, a financial block. And when your confidence begins to crumble, maybe because you faced challenges in your past, or maybe you face challenges now and you're not sure if you can succeed, overcome. Challenges to your confidence as a believer and as, and as a person are what keep you from achieving God's best for your life. But the Bible says don't throw away your confidence because if you hold on to your confidence, it actually, in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35, it says don't cast away your confidence. In other words, in that frustrating moment when you're walking through life and it's not working out and you don't understand it, and you're like, I'm so fed up, God, I'm done with you. I'm so fed up, I'll never achieve this. I'm so fed up that I just don't see any way... And I'm going to lose. And I'm, I'm going to not be able to achieve. And, and I'll never measure up. And these, these expectations and these, these things that I had that, oh, they were just dreams. They were too high. And you cast it aside. You cast aside your confidence. When we cast aside our confidence, which is partnered with our faith in Jesus, then there is no way to achieve those goals that you have before you. But if you hold on to your confidence in the Lord and the one who provides the strength and the outcome in the king then your confidence will bring about for you a great reward. And today when we look at the last installment of John chapter 6 I want to talk to you about our king. I want to talk to you about the king. I want to talk to you about the one who is in charge of the entire kingdom. And today what we're going to understand is that the kingdom that he's in charge of is not just the heavenly kingdom. You know, a lot of people just hold out their confidence for something in heaven. But if Jesus just wanted you to go to heaven, he would have saved all of us and just snatched us up and taken us there then. Jesus actually has good things for you to accomplish in your life now. He saves us not just for heaven. He saves us for today. But it takes confidence in all seasons of life in Him, in our King, to be able to live in a way that is truly, truly a blessing. Now, in this story, what you see is the confidence of the disciples is challenged. Has your confidence been challenged lately? When your confidence is challenged, you have to remember that it's not pride. It's not about you, but it's about the king, our king, King Jesus. And when your confidence is challenged and you place your confidence and your faith in the one who can actually do something about it, it's just a matter of time before he comes through. And he does so in some very specific ways. In in Scripture, why why is it important for us to have Confidence in our king. Why is it important for us to have confidence in Jesus? Well, he is king over all things. And specifically in this passage, I find it's very important to acknowledge him and have confidence in him as our king. Because he is king over some very practical things that we deal with. Number one, he is king over our perceptions. He is king over our perceptions. A perception is how you view things. It's how you view your life. It's how you view other people that maybe are different from you. It's how you view the world, perceptions. And Jesus is king over all perceptions in this world. How we view things, how other people view things... How we might view our circumstances, how other people view their circumstances. Jesus is still king over all of that. Well, What do you mean? Why is it important to acknowledge Jesus is king over perceptions? Why is it important to have confidence in Jesus as king over our perceptions of how things are? Well, look at what happens in the story. Here are a few perception type of events that happened. When you look at the story, there are some details. Number one, the disciples felt like they were alone in the boat. Have you ever perceived that you are alone in dealing with what you have to deal with in your life? Have you ever felt the power of loneliness? It will oppress you. It will challenge you. Loneliness because of maybe a bad relationship, a bad season of life... Um, Internal struggles, you just feel so lonely. That is a perception. And that perception to you feels real. It's a real problem. I remember early on in in my ministry experience, um, I was a student heavily of the Word, and I had a supervisor. And I don't fault this supervisor because um, he he had the responsibility of making sure everything else um, went the way it should go in the ministry that I was with. And so... Um, this supervisor, one of the things he said um, in one of our meetings, because I, I just kind of was a young person, I was like, I'm going to challenge him on something. And um, I said, you know, well, that's just not the way it is. And he said, no, perception is reality. And if people perceive this, then that is the reality. And I said back to him, that's just not true. Perception is not reality. Now, if we make our perception reality, then when you feel alone, guess what you are? Alone. But in the Bible, for a child of God, in the boat with Jesus, you're never alone even if you perceive that you are alone. You're just not alone. You may feel alone. It's not working out. And so you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle all by yourself. But your perception of that as a child of God with confidence in Jesus by faith, listen very closely. You're just never alone. Loneliness was a part of it. How do we know this? Well, Jesus, he went up on the mountain after the crowd. Where was Jesus? Alone. Now, they just want to make him king. That sounds like a good thing. I mean, many of us would go, wow, they want me to be in charge? Sign me up. And Jesus says, no, thank you. Jesus knew that it wasn't in the midst of a crowd that a true relationship with God was found. It wasn't in the midst of acceptance that true confidence would come. Jesus knew that the power for his life would be perceived as loneliness by others, but he knew for everything that he did and had to do on our behalf, he was never alone. He would be rejected by people. He would be crucified by the authorities. He would be left for dead for so many. But he knew that other people's perception of him being alone was just not the reality. What was the reality? He was close to God. And because he was close to God, he was able to deliver his people. Both then in the boat, and guess what? Even for you and I today. See? He's got to be king over our perceptions. What was another perception? Darkness. What happened? The disciples get in the boat and it was already dark. Well, we've lived through a season of life where darkness seems to have ruled, right? And darkness has these ways, uh, has this way of affecting us. It comes at us all types of way. And so we perceive darkness very personally. It's very real. If you've ever walked through that and it's led to deep discouragement or depression, um, things that you've just never thought you would feel or say, darkness, it comes on you. But here's the reality. We perceive that. To be true. But that's just not the reality. How do we know that? Psalms 139 verse 11 and 12. If I say surely the darkness will hide me. And the light become as night around me. The psalmist says this. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is just like light to you perception. Who's in charge over the darkness that we walk through? Does he allow us to walk through dark moments? Absolutely. He allows us to walk through those moments. Why? Because he can teach us something in the darkness that we could never see when it's all good. His disciples are in the boat in a dark storm, right? And they are feeling this sense of loneliness. Are they alone? No. Is it darkness? Well, to them, they're going, gosh, this is darkness. I'll never make it out. But was it darkness? No. Jesus just comes strolling across the sea. Hey, what's up, guys? And he's there. So he's with them, and in the darkness, in a storm that they can't see, guess what? I mean, if Jesus couldn't see where they were and where they needed to go, he would have gotten lost in the storm. Don't you think it's odd that the other boats are on the land, the disciples are in one boat, and Jesus walks up exactly to them in the midst of that storm? Exactly? (laughs) If he's not the king... Over the darkness, he would have drowned. But he walks over the storms, walks through the midst of darkness. Because darkness is like light to him. He made it. He controls it. But our perception of it needs to change that he is king over it. What's another perception that we might deal with in life? When I see in scripture... um, Jesus was coming to them, but the Bible very clearly acknowledges Jesus had not come yet. Have you ever felt like God has just not come through for you yet? That's a reality, right? God, where are you? God, you're not helping me. God, um, you left me out to deal with this all alone on my, on my own situation. You just haven't come through and you're not going to. But the Bible's really clear. He hadn't shown up yet. Yet, so maybe you're in your boat right now, maybe you're in life right now, and maybe you're going, gosh, this is darkness, and I feel alone, and this is really, and God just, he's just not going to come through for me. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He just had not done it yet. But hold on. I mean, I get it. You've been straining three or four miles in your life, three or four years, three or four decades. But it's not time to quit because he's going to show up. And your perception is he's not present, that he's not watching, that he doesn't care. That's how we feel about God when things don't go our way. That's usually the human response that I hear 100% of the time when people are going through moments of difficulty, challenge, darkness, loneliness. Man, I've worked so hard and God's, I hear that when every God, what have I done wrong? God, maybe you're not there. Maybe you don't exist. Maybe you don't love me. Hogwash. (laughs) He just hadn't shown up yet. Don't let your perception dictate reality because Jesus is king over perceptions. There are others, strong winds. The strong wind was blowing. At times in life, you'll have strong winds that will blow. We're not unfamiliar with that. There was fear. Fear will always cripple your confidence. Listen very closely. Fear will always cripple your confidence. Fear will always try to overcome your faith. And there's always a reason to fear. Well, that's not realistic. Well, that's not something that I can achieve. Well, well this isn't. And fear will hold you back from your best self every time. You give into fear and not into confidence in faith, you will not achieve goals that only God has for you. But when God speaks to you by faith and says, you can't accomplish this, and he gives you a word, and he gives you a direction, and he gives you clarity, go for it with all of your heart. Do not throw away your confidence, because your confidence will bring you a great reward, and do not let fear steal from you what God is trying to give. They were frightened. The winds were strong. They've worked hard and nothing's happened. And you know what would have been most natural for them? To quit. To give up on their faith. Jesus isn't coming. He's not going to come through. That was a fun ride. That is what what would have been most natural. Our king is not a natural king. He's a supernatural king. I mean, I look in this room even right now, and I know that supernaturally some of you are miracles even now. And you may not feel that. You may not see that. You may not sense that. (laughs) You are. Because Jesus is our king, and he's king over even our perceptions of how things are going. I mean, you look at life and it seems like it's not going well, but it's just a matter of time. And in the midst of that, Jesus being with you, providing, it's just a matter of time before perception changes and you are exactly at the spot that you were trying to get to anyways. Did you catch that in the story, by the way? Once Jesus shows up and shows that he's king over their perceptions, where do they end up? Immediately they arrived at where they were going. Now, they didn't see that in the moment, did they? (laughs) But they knew when they got to the other side. And I'm sure that brought great glory and praise to the Lord. You see, Jesus, absolute confidence in him as our king over our perceptions is a key to real life. Number two, Jesus is king over people. Jesus is king over people. And specifically, I'm not talking about believers. Jesus is still the king over people. Jesus is still the Lord over all the people. How do we know this? Well, there's this crowd in the story. And this crowd sees what Jesus can do for them. And so naturally, when it's fun, when it's emotional, when the crowd's hyped, you know, they believe in everything. And so what do they do? They go flock to Jesus. You know, when he's cool, they'll flock to him. When he's not cool, they'll run. That's what crowds do When you're winning, it's awesome. When you're losing, you put a sack over your head, right? You've seen that in New Orleans. That's what people do, right? That's what crowds do. <laughs> Jesus was smart enough to know that when a crowd comes to acknowledge him king and make him king by force, he's smart enough to know, I'm already king. I don't need you to make me king. I'm already in charge. I don't need the frenzy of a crowd that's with me one day and not with me on another. I don't need your acknowledgement of me being king. I'm king already over you. I already fed you. I was already kind to you. You want to acknowledge me as a prophet. You don't even know who I am. You want to acknowledge me as the man in the sky, the gray-bearded man that sits on a cloud. You want to acknowledge me as karma or something like that. You don't even understand Who's in charge of this thing? See, Jesus is still king over people, even if people don't acknowledge him as king. And they wanted to come by force and make him king by force. Jesus doesn't need anybody to force or make him be king. He's that good. You can't force Jesus to be king, which, by the way, is a great message for each of you personally who are struggling. You know, I get it. You know, you can't force people. To make Jesus their king. But he doesn't have to force himself in. He shows signs. He shows the way. You're either going to make him king over your life. Or you're not. And if you do. You're going to make it through to the other side. If you don't. That storm. It'll take you out. Because you have no confidence in the right person. To get you through life. But when you have confidence in the one who is king over people. It doesn't matter who you face what you face. Gosh, I don't know if I can achieve that because of this person and that person. Who are you looking at? The person is the king or Jesus as the king? Who are you looking at? Well, this employer, this school, this circumstance, this coach, this opportunity. Are you looking at them as the king or are you looking at Jesus as the king? Jesus is king over other people. And the whole crowd in that moment thinks that they have the authority. Jesus goes, I don't need you to tell me what i'm going to do as king matter of fact i'm gonna back away from all this and i'm gonna go talk with the one who's in charge of it all my father in heaven and i'm gonna fix this situation the way it needs to be fixed he didn't have to do that over people that's the first thing that stands out to me they called him a prophet he wasn't a prophet he was the son of god he had been saying this the whole time he was teaching his disciples this they needed a boat experience to learn it but that's a reminder how he was king over them. I, I, I love the end of the story, by the way, because another way that you see Jesus as king is obviously over people. You know, we see that that he walks through the storm. He gets the disciples to where they need to be. He does that. He does that perfectly. He does that for you and I as his children. But what happened to the crowd? The end of the story tells you what happened to the crowd. They show up the next day. They're looking for Jesus. They want more food. They want more miracles. They want more signs. Jesus is not there. And they begin to look, and I love this little detail. I don't want you to miss it in life because this is a reminder that Jesus is king. He's king over our perceptions, he's king over people because they show up looking for Jesus. And he's not there. And they show up with the wrong motive. He calls them out on it a little bit later, by the way. If you want to read something funny about Jesus, he like really hammers them. But nonetheless, they're looking and they notice something. What do they notice? There's a boat here. And there's not a boat here. And we saw the disciples get into the boat and get out in the lake. Who knows what happened to them. But we know Jesus didn't go with them. Where's Jesus? (laughs) And I love that little detail because it's kind of like Jesus played the old switcheroo on the crowd right there, you know? Jesus as the king, as the authority, is like, look, y'all just hang over here and y'all just think about what you want. I'm going to go and be with my people I'm going to go help my people through a circumstance. I'm going to go get in the boat with my people. I'm going to get my people to where they need to be. And y'all can just all sit over here and just think what you want and do what you want and whine and complain and look for more goodness that I would show you as the Lord of life. But yet you can reject. You can be greedy and selfish. and. Insecure and all that, but I'm gonna go be with the people who want me to be in the boat with them, who will willingly receive me into their life, who will willingly allow me to walk through the storms with them to get them to where they need me to be. And that's where Jesus was. The rest of the story says that they looked for Jesus, they couldn't figure it out, which reminds me that's why he's so much the king over people because they're all trying to figure it out. We know he stayed, we know they left. Here's his boat, Jesus' boat. Here it is right here, and he's not in it. So surely he must be around here some way. They look frantically, they try to find him, they can't find him. So then they take a journey, and they walk all the way around the sea, which is funny. You can walk a long way without Jesus. You can waste a lot of time without Jesus. You can go on a journey and say you're not lost, but until you get to where Jesus is, you had not even found your direction for life yet. There is no confidence in that. On the flip side, he's with the disciples. They're in the boat. They're on the other side. And eventually, the crowd gets over there and they're like, Wait, you were... uh, How'd you do that? Because he's the king. Because he's the king. He's the king over our perceptions. He's the king over all people. But it moves from just circumstances and experiences to crowds that he's king over. And then it gets really important. Because then it becomes personal. And Jesus, the confidence that we have to live and live fully. It's not just that he's king over circumstances, perceptions, over people. It's that he's king over me. And the third thing to understand about keeping your confidence, listen very closely, about keeping your confidence in all circumstances is that you have to come to the point as an individual to say, Jesus is my king. He's my king, and if he's my king, then he's king over all the circumstances in my life, my perceptions. He's king over all of the people that I have to deal with in my life, and Jesus is my king. Do you know what it means to make someone the king over your life? Absolute surrender. Absolute faith. But once you do that specifically, only to someone named Jesus, the Son of God, when you do that... You have surrendered your heart, your faith, and placed your confidence in someone who owns it all, controls it all, and who will do no less than carry you through every season of life to get you exactly to the place that he wants you to be. And it's a good place. When I think about Jesus being king over me, over you, over us who have claimed him, By faith is our Savior. When I think about Jesus being that, I think about the realities that, listen, child of God, you are never alone. Jesus is always with you. He's your king. When he's your king, other people will walk out on you. Other people will ridicule, ridicule you. Other people will want you to think and believe other different things. But when you hold on to Christ, you're not alone. He's with you and he will give you the strength to overcome every time. He will give you the confidence to live when you feel that you don't have it. He will help you overcome the perceptions that you have of your life and listen that other people may have of you as a child of God and a born-again Christian. Jesus, his perception, his reality will matter more than anyone else because he's your king. And when he's your king personally, you can know that. Jesus is, when we know that he's our king, here's the other thing, he's right on time. Listen very closely. Jesus is right on time. They strained for three or four miles, and then he showed up. They could have quit mile one, mile two, mile three, mile four. Jesus was right on time. He didn't need to do the miracle until they were four miles out in the storm. That's when the miracle came. If it comes earlier, they don't learn what they need to learn about him being king over all of it, all of it. So listen, whatever it is you're walking through, he's coming through, he's right on time, he's never late, and he will be there for you. Never alone, right on time. When I think about what happened is, they arrived immediately at the destination. Now I realize sometimes in life you're going, gosh, it's a struggle, it's a strain. When will I get there? God, when will you come through? When he comes through, It happens just like that. He's not only not late. He's going to provide, deliver, come through for you as his son and daughter. And he's going to do it. And when he does, you're going to go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You did it. I can't believe it. Didn't see it coming. Almost gave up. And boom, you were there. Thank you, God. And what does that happen? What does that do? What does that do for you as a person? It builds up more confidence. Confidence in him. As your king. And the last thing as we think about this. How did it happen? How did all of this happen? How did this occur that disciples would have this experience, this miracle, that the crowd would not have, the followers of Jesus, the believers of Jesus? How did it happen? I love the way the scripture says it in John chapter 6. And this is where we finish today. Because this is true for you if you want to have confidence to really live to achieve things that your circumstances may say that you couldn't your thoughts and your feelings and your perceptions about yourself may haunt you and say you'll never get there i don't believe that i can other people may say to you you could and you go i can't or other me, other people may say to you you can't and therefore you say i can't how do you overcome all of those things how do you move through that the disciples willingly received Jesus into the boat. Did you catch that? There was no coercion. We've seen a lot of that in our world. There was no manipulation. We see that all the time in our lives. There was no force. They tried that. Force will never change the heart of a person. It's not a miracle if it happens by force. How did the disciples experience the greatest power of going all in on Jesus? They willingly received him into the boat. Wherever you are today in your personal life, in whatever storm you may be battling or three to four miles out on the journey that you're on or the strain and the struggle that you're living through, listen the key to the confidence to overcome whatever it is. Jesus, I willingly receive you as my king over all things in my life, into my boat, into my heart. Now that's true for those of you who've never done that and asked Jesus willingly to come into your life as your Savior. That's true for those of you. And if you've never done that, you need to do that. You need to come to this moment because it gives you the confidence to really live. It gives you a life that God intended. When you willingly receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, as your King in life over your life by faith, when you do that you enter the family of God. And that's the most wonderful start to the journey. But that's only the start. For some of you, that's step one and you need to take step one because that begins that journey that is a miracle of Christ being king over your life amazing and I want to encourage you to do that if you've never done that but also that's equally true for every one of you who claim to be a child of God who've already asked Christ to be your savior who've already asked him to forgive you of your sins who've already asked him to enter the boat of your life at some other point and right now still The same Jesus that saved you then is the same Jesus that you need now. The same Jesus that brought you salvation is the same Jesus that will carry you to the other side. And even now dealing with perceptions, dealing with people, dealing with circumstances. Even now, Christian believer, you need to say, Jesus, you're my king. Jesus, you're the king. Jesus, you're king over that. 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 Jesus, you're the king. And with that type of confidence, you win. You win. And when you win, it's like we said a few Sundays ago. Yeah, you get this moment to celebrate. He gets all the glory he gets all the acknowledgement because you just walked through a storm with jesus that nobody said you could you just overcame something that even your own mind may have said you can't do that and you did it that's what we're going to continue to do as a church that's what you're going to continue to do as children of god for those of you that need jesus today and the holy spirit is saying to your heart hey listen he's talking to you the holy spirit is talking to you and you need to begin that journey with Jesus today, you're going to get there, but it starts when you willingly receive him in. I think there's no greater journey. I'm glad to be on that journey with you as a family of faith, and I want us to pray right now. Whether unbeliever or believer, it doesn't matter. I want us to pray together right now because I want us to take those steps to willingly receive Jesus as our King. With our hearts bowed, Our heads bowed and our eyes reverently closed before God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for all of your children today. Every man and woman student within the sound of my voice. And it's only by your Holy Spirit speaking right now that we can identify whatever that is that's keeping us from willingly receiving you as king. God, I pray for your sons and daughters today who need to receive you as king for their salvation by faith today. And if you know that God is speaking to you about that right there where you sit, right there where you listen, I encourage you to pray, God, thank you for showing me that you are the king over all. Jesus, you are the savior over all. And today, right now, I ask you to come into my life as king and save me as your son, as your daughter, as your child. And Jesus just became king over your heart. But as we continue to pray, everyone else and those of you who just asked him, Jesus, be king over my life. King in the midst of storms, King in the midst of victories, King in the midst of all things, give me the confidence to trust you for what's ahead, to achieve great things for you and give you the glory because you're going to get us there. Jesus, you're the King. And today, build my faith and my confidence to believe you, to achieve on behalf of what you have called and given to me as your son, as your daughter. Build my faith. You are that kind of Savior. Jesus, you're my King. And today as a family of faith, as we pray these things, God, would you just do miracles, miracles, supernatural, deliverance, prospering kind of miracles on behalf of every one of your children praying today in the holy name of of Jesus, all of God's children said together, amen and amen. He's the king, right? That's good. All in on Jesus, all in. And what a great way to finish that today. I want to thank you, reminding you as families, we have something for you and your kids afterwards. So make sure when you grab them, you do that. Thank you for being faithful in your giving. We have seen miracles that God's people have given to help us tackle storm issues and budget issues. Thank you for being faithful with that. For those of you who've been able, it's a miracle. And thank God for that. We've continued to see that. And thank you for getting ready to push through all of these storms with Jesus as the King and get to the other side because God's got good things for you on the other side of all of this. Amen.